Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode one of Seller Jams, the first official episode. We are talking to a friend of mine named Tim Copania. Tim is a very cool and interesting cat. He is a PPC master who only manages very large PPC accounts. And the way he stumbled upon it is pretty interesting. This is a dude who is basically living the American dream and kind of found out it wasn't for him. Uh, there's a part in the episode that's pretty funny where he's like, you know, I just realized I was smarter than my boss. And that's when I was like, why does this keep happening to me? I have to leave. So Tim took a crazy journey. He's a family man. He was in the Air Force Academy and uh, wanted to become a pilot. Uh, accidentally stumbled upon Amazon and then ended up becoming an early experimenter in the PPC world. And now he spends his time managing massive uh, Amazon PPC accounts. And that's his main thing. Very excited for you guys to hear the wisdom that Tim has. We go through his personal story and he also shares us some super insider tips on his philosophy when it comes to PPC and PPC management being that he's on the front lines and he only manages seven and eight figure accounts. So very interesting perspective of Tim. You guys are going to love it. Let's jam. What's up, Tim? Hey, hey. how are you? Good. Uh, I am stoked to have you on the podcast. Uh, this is something we've talked about for a couple of weeks now. Um, I Just to introduce you guys to, to who Tim is and how we know each other, uh, Tim, uh, as his profession, or at least his side profession, um, as, as we mentioned earlier while we were chatting before this, uh, still have a full-time job, actually, technically. Um, but for a couple of years now, uh, you've been managing the PPC accounts of strictly seven-figure and up sellers. So yeah, these, right. these are sellers that need to have really high-quality management by people who you know, know what the heck they're doing, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, this is the reason we had you on here is because there are lots of people that call themselves PPC consultants or, you know, PPC contractors or whatever. If you go on Upwork, you're going to find a million, you know, dudes from wherever, India, the Philippines, you know, or, or the U S or any, anywhere, but like all over the world who say, yeah, I handle PPC and I also handle writing listings and I also handle right. customer service and I also handle all of this. But the reality is that this is a science, a deep science that needs to be, if, if you're serious about it and you, you want to build a real business, you need to get like professional help if you, if you want to really succeed. And so you're one of the rare few that I've met. You and I were introduced through our mutual friend, Daniel, um, who's also you know totally kick-ass. And uh, yeah, I came brought brought you in here to make sure that some of that knowledge can get out into the world for folks who can't afford you <laughs> so yeah, to speak. well i'm super excited about it i'm super excited about it yeah so do you want to just before we get into like the the actual uh dirty tick tips and tactics and and tricks here well, well they're clean they're, they're not dirty i yeah. shouldn't say dirty yeah. they're, they're all clean tips <laughs> 
and tricks and tactics. Um, but tell us how you, how you got to this point. Um, how, how did you get to, you know, start managing these, these large accounts? Yeah, so I'm happy to share a little bit of my story. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I should say probably as we, as we start off is that I, I pretty much have flown completely under the radar. And as, as Chris, as you and I first started kind of communicating, working together, you were like, Hey, do you have a website? Hey, do you have this? Hey, do you have that? And it's like, you know, actually I, I have totally fallen into this, um, without really intending to, um, and I don't want to say, Hey, what just kind of happened. But it's, um, you know, the people that have found me and the people I work with, I, it's completely by reference and word of mouth. And so it's, it's, um, it's kind of fun that way, but it also helps me um, really control. I'm, I'm not after the, you know, the, the shotgun approach of, hey, how many people can I, can I grab and whatever. It's been about more about what can I do and handle, add value in and still have fun doing it. So anyways, it's, it's um, I thought I'd just start off by saying that. But my, my story is actually... Um, you know, I, I, I went to college at the Air Force Academy in Colorado. So um, I actually thought I was going to be a fighter pilot until I found out that uh, I was faking my hearing test because I couldn't hear. Um, the Wait, good- what? What do you mean you're faking your <laughs> hearing test? How can you well, even do that? You feel like, vibrations or something? Sit in a big room with five other, six other people who are all hearing the same thing with headphones on and <laughs> push the button whenever I see them push the button. So that seems like a design happened. flaw on their part. Well, hopefully they fixed it now. But um, anyways, I was supposed to, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I was going to be a fighter pilot. Wow. Right before I graduated, this is a long time ago now, boys and girls, 1994. Um, I, um, I had a slot to go to pilot training and thought it was what I wanted to do. But um, they found out, you know, they realized, and then looking at my hearing test, that sometimes I would ace it, and then the next time I would bomb it, and it all depended on <laughs> who I could see. Who you were in the room with? Yeah, who was in the room with, and so they looked and said, yeah, you have this disease, and in fact, at the time, it was in my left ear, um, and uh, something that could be corrected by surgery. So I got, so I was in the Air Force, uh, had surgery, got the hearing, almost, it was almost gone in my left ear, got the hearing back in my left ear from what they did, I won't go into too much detail on that. Um, uh, in the Air Force, I was an intelligence officer, um, which is a ton of analytical work, mostly, and um, was in there about seven and a half years, met my beautiful wife, who I've now been married to for over 20 years, and she was in the Air Force, too, and uh, during that time, I got a master's degree in counseling, more because of, um, at the time, if you wanted to make rank, you needed to, uh, to have a master's degree, but also my background was in behavioral science at the Air Force Academy. And so, um, but the biggest thing I learned doing that was that I never wanted to do that for a living. Um, pretty valuable, pretty valuable tool. It's just, uh, just the, the one liner for that, that I would say is nobody goes to see a therapist because they're having a good day. So um, I realized that yeah, I did not want uh, to. Good point. Um, anyways, um, was stationed in England for three years got out and got a job actually where in the town that my wife and I met in, which was San Antonio, Texas, um, even, even though neither of us are from there. And um, we actually both got jobs at this grocery chain that really um, hired a lot of veterans. And um, I got a job as like a buyer. And what I learned really quickly there was that I had no idea what anybody was talking about. Um, I got really good at faking that I knew what they were talking about, but I had no idea what people were talking about. So I started talking about accruals and payment terms and 
um, logistics and how to, you know, put stuff on display, how to make money, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so um, I had to get up to speed pretty quick. And um, one of the things I did to do that was I, I went through an executive MBA program at the University of Texas, San Antonio, got an MBA. Um, now this but, is a pattern, Tim. I've seen this so many times, like in talking to, to sellers in the, in the Amazon selling community that like the folks who come from a background of logistics or, or procurement or purchasing or, you know, retail in general, they come into the Amazon world and they're like, whoa, this is like the wild west. Like yeah. I'm used to like <laughs> serious procedures and, you know, processes and right. very strict you know, documentation and all of that. And these guys are like flying by the seat of their pants. You know, right. maybe they have a spreadsheet somewhere, but right. they're Process mostly like licking their finger and sticking it in the air. <laughs> Processes, rules, um, how to develop a product before you spend a ton of money on it. Of course, you know, in a grocery environment, most of those things are edible. So you really need to take time to make sure that you're make something that tastes good and you're not going to kill anybody. Right. Um, but yeah, I did have that background of going, all right, let me figure out the profitability of this. Let me figure out how much money I need to charge a, a big manufacturer, you know, for this you know, kind of One of the things um, that kind of, you know, during that time um, was my, my oldest was born. I have three kids now. He's 14 now, which is, I have no idea what happened the last 14 years, but anyways. Um, Wow, right on. Was, yeah, he was born and, you know, we really started San Antonio. If you know, it's a beautiful town. I love it. Uh, unbelievable cost of living. Um, I've never lived in a state where people are so proud as, as people from Texas. Um, but we are not hot, humid kind of people. I can handle the heat, but I can't do the humidity. <laughs> and San Antonio is hot, humid. Um, and my wife is from the Northeast. And the other thing that I, that I realized too at the same time was, um, you know, all the various manufacturer grips. So I was being called on by the, by the big guys. I, I, I was in, on the food side of the business. Um, and, you know, so there's people from Nestle and there's people from Unilever and there's people from Kraft and, you know, as well as brokers and, you know, big global um, consumer packaged goods companies in the, in, the, in the industry. They're called CPG companies. And I'm realizing that's like, I was the lowest paid person in the room and that really kind of bothered me. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm laughing at that because it makes it seem like it's all about money, but it was, it was a factor, you know, honestly. And it was, it was like, wow, you know, um, this is, this is sort of eye opening, especially when you, when the beginning of your careers in the military, you know, you used to a, you know, a pretty austere environment. So it was like, Hey, go to this place and sleep in a tent or maybe share a room with somebody. And then I, go to a grocery chain, I'm working there and they're like, you know, go stay in a place, but make sure it doesn't cost more than a hundred bucks a night. And, you know, these other guys are going, coming into town and they're all staying at like, you know, the local Marriott's and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, where, where did I miss out on? So, yeah. um, <laughs> how do I, I get where they are? How do I got a piece of that pie? So, um, ended up getting a job. And then, like I said, my wife's from the Northeast. I had never really lived in a place with seasons and all that kind of stuff because I grew up in Southern California. And, uh, so it sounded pretty cool. So I got a job with Unilever, um, which is in, if anybody knows New Jersey, New York City, it's in Englewood Cliffs. So it's on the, right across the Hudson, right by the GW Bridge um, from New York City. Um, worst commute in the world ever. No matter where you live, it was impossible to get to, but a beautiful place. Um, that's where I really cut my teeth kind of in the, the manufacturing side of things. So I was a, 
I was technically in sales, but I worked with, I was assigned to a marketing team. So um, I worked with different marketing teams over my, my time there. So everybody's heard of like Ragu and Bertoli, um, our big brands, at least in the United States. Um, I worked on Lipton. I worked on um, several, several actually really big, really big brands um, where I was, my job was to give input from a sales perspective to the marketing team so they put stuff together. Um, when people ask me what I did, I would just say, look, I'm a translator. I take what the marketing people say and I say it to the salespeople in a way they can understand it. And I take what the salespeople say and I say it to the marketing people in a way they can understand it. Because marketing people are generally over-educated, but under-experienced and salespeople are generally over-experienced and under-educated. So, wow. Yeah. I've never heard it put like that before, but I understand yeah. exactly what you mean. Yeah. That is so, they, so funny. Yeah. You yeah. know, you tended to hire a lot of people that had just finished their MBAs from, say, Columbia, you know, those kind of big Ivy League schools. And, um, but they probably had a, you know, a degree, uh, went for their bachelor's, they got their master's, mm -hmm. probably interned that summer in their master's at Unilever, and then I got hired. Um, after that, after a few years of that, I couldn't handle the commute. My second child was born, my, my second son. And I was just like, this, this is nuts. Um, and I ended up getting a job where I didn't move, but it, it was just halved my commute. There's a lot of big companies in kind of northern New Jersey. And so I went to work for Nestle. It was specifically a division called Nestle Nutrition. Um, and it was Gerber baby food mostly. Um, there's also a brand, called, a brand called Boost that they have, but the vast majority of it was Gerber baby food. So I worked there uh, for the next few years. This is all, this pieces together so well like working you work for the retailers you work yeah. for the brands you saw it from every side of the yeah. of the supply chain totally and, Which, and you know yeah. Yeah, handling the logistics of things handling the manufacturing of things and understanding that even the big guys a lot of them don't even own the factories that the things that they're branded are getting produced in so right forcing something in china you're actually not doing anything differently than what Kraft or Unilever or or Nestle is doing because um, they realized a long time ago that's uh, not necessarily efficient to have the, the factories on the books and they can outsource stuff or or it's a new technology that they don't have. I mean, am I, am I saying that they don't have their own factories? No, I'm not. They they do own stuff, but there's also a lot that gets uh, manufactured by third parties. So, um, you know, yeah. I don't talk too long about that, so I'll stop. Um, Anyway, um, decided that uh, I was tired of corporate life and, and um, just wanted to get off, uh, get off that banging wagon, stop working the crazy hours I was working and ended up getting a job that kind of ties together um, my past in, uh, outside of the military, which is I work for a marketing company actually back east, but I'm the West Coast guy and I work from home and um, um, it was actually a great time because now I have a daughter who <laughs> was born she's she's eight now or actually will be eight in january but um and um and so basically we do marketing programs in groceries and that's um probably the easiest way to say it but once we got out here realized that um i'd say i realized a couple of things i got involved in a startup here locally which bombed miserably but i learned a ton and um the biggest thing i learned that was really important was that I was actually born to be an entrepreneur, but I never realized it until I was like 40 years old. And, um, and why I realized it was because I'm, I'm at these jobs and I'm like, 
every boss and, and leadership person I ever had on Huckmeet was a complete idiot. Even some guy who was a friend who had a lot of respect for gets promoted and now he's a complete idiot. It's like, what? You know, so I'm looking at myself going, why are these people, you know, what, what is it about me that I'm having trouble? It's like, oh, I was born to be in charge. That's why, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty tough to make that switch when, like I said, you're 40, you've got a wife, you've got three kids, you've got a mortgage, you could be paying off your MBA for the rest of your life. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to go, hey, we're all going to go live in a van down in Silicon Valley to see if we make it, you know? So yeah. like, what can I do to scratch that itch? And um, so a friend of mine, um, going back a few years now, it didn't feel like early days on Amazon, but it was early days on Amazon. Um, what year is this? Uh, take away, take away five years from now. What is that? 2003 ish. Oh, wow. Yeah. 2013. No, not, oh, sorry, not 2013. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to do math while I'm also on the phone. Um, pardon me, 2013. So yeah, about five years ago. And, um, he was, he was, he was, um, you know, he started talking to me about it and he started talking about Amazon and FBA and I'm selling stuff. And I'm thinking of the eBay model, you know, I'm like, what? So you get five orders a day and you got these boxes in your garage and you got to drive to the post office and, you know, and I'm just like, school arbitrage. Yeah, it's cool retail cool. arbitrage. Yeah. Like, I'm even saying it right now. Like I, like I just ate something that tastes bad, you know, it's like, oh, Yo, that's the worst that's kind of work. That sounds, that sounds horrible. So, um, and he's like, no, no, there's, like, yay, and you send it to them and they take care of it. And I just pay them. I'm like, what? And so he said that he mentored me. And uh, so he kind of taught me the business. And so um, I started selling. And honestly, the best thing that ever could have happened to me happened, which was I didn't have a grand slam and I didn't strike out, I had a single. And what I mean by that was like, I was selling about 10 a day. Um, I was pretty happy about that. And, you know, this was, this was back when you, friends and family bought your stuff, friends and family left reviews. You'd go to a review group to get sales and they'd all leave reviews. It was so easy. Oh yeah. So easy. That was <laughs> a wild west. It was, it was, it was really, really simple. The open frontier. Um, yeah. Nobody had even ever heard of black hat taxes because you didn't even really need them, you know? Yeah. So, um, but what I realized when I, you know, so I thought I was doing really well. Selling through these things. I think I invested a few thousand dollars in my first order. Really light, you know, air shippable kind of item. Didn't have to mess with customs really and, you know, importing and all that kind of stuff. So I, I ran the numbers after about six or eight weeks and I was losing money big time. And I'm like, how am I losing money? I mean, I'm selling, you know, 300, 400 of these a month. Um, how the heck am I, am I losing money on this? And I realized that I was losing money in two places, all the giveaways I was doing to help my ranking and get reviews. So that stopped pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing was in PPC. So I went, I really got, if I'm going to stick with this, and to me it was, the, it's, it's a proven test. The sales are there. Um, I need to just figure out how to make this profitable. So um, I really just started diving in and reading anything I could find on PPC on my own. I thought I was managing PPC by going into like the main interface and just adjusting bids on keywords. 
you know, and I thought, hey, that's that's what I'm, you know, really doing, you know, I'm really into it now. But um, short version was I had no clue what I was doing. So um, I just absorbed everything I could. I never paid a dime to learn it from anybody else. And this is 2015 we're talking about by this time? Um, no, actually, this is still this is still earlier than that. Um, 2014. Yeah, probably in that. Wow, that's real early. Yeah. That's like, so, wasn't it released in 2014? Amazon PPC platform. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying year. to think of that. We didn't talk about the timing, so I'm trying to think about the the dates. Um, but yeah, I, I'm probably, pretty sure it was yeah, around there. Probably right in the same time frame. Yeah, so I maybe. That's so you were first, basically. Like you're an early experimenter with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, without, that's, without that's knowing early. Yes. Yeah, without even knowing it. You know, let's just put it that way, without even knowing. Yeah. So, well, no, it's making sense. More, the more you uh, lay this out, the more it makes sense how you got, you know, to where you are now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm going forward. We're selling this. I'm, I want to sell more stuff. Um, anyway, so I realized that, like, hey, I need to get good at PPC. And over, the, over time, it probably took about, uh, I don't know, three, four months to actually figure out what I was really doing. Because you'd get it going well, and then something would change. And then you'd have to go, why, why, what is happening? You know, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And from that, I realized PPC is not a set it and forget it kind of thing. You know, PPC is something that it's, it's influenced by a whole lot of factors. Um, some of which are things that are totally out of your control. Like what are your competitors doing? Yeah. So, well, I think it's set it and forget it for, for a lot of folks. And those are the ones similar to the stock market, you know, those are the ones that like, just get their, like asses handed to them. You know, people like to just leave their automatic campaigns on and just turn up the daily spend and just let it go and assume right. that it's doing the best it possibly can. Right. That's a huge be, portion of sellers that just, that's their strategy. Yeah. Just let it go. I need to be running PPC. So I'm running some version of PPC and yeah. And I've checked that box and I'm moving on to other stuff. So right. anyways, I figured out how to do it and I've always been, um, I wouldn't say that I would enjoy teaching because I really, I really would not enjoy being a teacher, you know, like in a classroom per se, but I don't mind, you know, finding, if I find somebody who's really interested in learning, then I'm like, Hey, I can go really deep with that. Person. So, um, you know, by this time, um, there started to be more forums. Some of the Facebook stuff started coming out. I don't even remember what time frame we are, we're in anymore, but, um, and so I started, you know, just if somebody was asking a question, I'd be like, hey, this is, this is what I did. You know, this is how I did it. I had that same problem and do this and do that. So people started reaching out to me um, just on, um, you know, like, hey, what do I do about this? Hey, what do I do about that? And then one guy even said, hey, you know, let me, I'll just take a look at, at your stuff. Send me your stuff. I'll take a look and tell you what I would do. And the guy came back and was just like, you're a genius, whatever. I'm like, no, I think I just took the time to actually go into like your search term report and figure out oh, all, wow. the irrelevant, all the irrelevant customer search terms that you're getting clicks for. You know, that kind of thing. So anyway, um, that parlayed into um, a couple people saying, well, you teach me how to do it. I'll pay you. And I'm like, okay, wow, my focus is really on selling. By this time, I'd, I'd branched off and was starting to become the seller that I thought I wanted to be. Started to do really, really well. Um, started to, um, I remember it was, 
uh, let's see, it was three weeks before I just sent $60,000 to China and I was going to have to do another $60,000 order. And I'm like, this has gotten out of control from a fun little side project I'm doing for my home office, you know, right on. This is insane. Um, and so, but at the same time, all that's going on is the business is building. I kind of found a nice little niche and was, um, you know, expanding products, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm teaching people how to do PPC. And I think it was the second person I taught went, all right, the biggest thing I just learned from what you taught me was that I never want to do this myself. <laughs> and can I just pay you? Yeah. And I had just learned about, you know, um, how you can add users to your account and things like that. So, you know, versus the, the you know, never log into somebody else's Amazon account using their password in a different computer because it's the quickest way to get your account suspended ever. Um, and so it was just like, I knew, I, I knew you couldn't do that, but it was like, oh, I can just, they can add me as a user. Um, I can, um, I can log in through, you know, my own email address there and log in, do their stuff, take care of it, write them an update and boom, we move on. So, um, it was just sort of an interesting side thing I was doing while I was selling because my focus was really on selling. And, um, after, you know, kind of fast forward to that example I, I showed where I was like, you know, I am, I'm sending all this money to China. I'm getting really worried about hijackers. Um, I, um, actually, I'll be very honest. I didn't have a stomach for the risk, um, right. uh, of, of how much money that we were putting out there. And, um, on paper, I mean, I, I've seen all these people like, Oh, I make a 20 margin or whatever. I'm like, well, what are you taking into account? Because when I started to take every single cost into account, every single penny I was paying my freight forwarder, all of the um, import taxes that I was paying for U.S. Customs and all that kind of stuff, I was like at about an uh, I want to say eight, but it might have been a, depending on the product, eight to eleven margin. And I'm like, this is you know yeah. thin enough was, to be super yeah, scary. To be like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not making the 20 to 40 margins that I was setting out to maybe in gross, but you know, after the fact it's like, okay, this is getting, you know, this is getting pretty tight, you know, um, to put, to have a hundred thousand dollars at risk to hopefully make 10, um, just didn't really seem to, to be worth it. Um, and then, you know, so my wife and I actually had a, a deep conversation about it and I went, you know, I, I think I'm going to stop selling, but I, I still want to be involved in this and, you know, I've got this kind of without even really trying. By this point, I probably had three or four full-time clients, um, and without even really trying, I word of mouth people, you know, friends and whatever, just kind of recommending and like kind of doing this on the side. So I ended. Well, that's up the best kind. That's the best way. That's when you know, you know, you're doing the right thing when it's or growing organically. When you're you're yeah. growing organically without you trying, because it's you know spreading by word of mouth because you're doing something you know, that's actually providing real value and is unique. You're not, yeah. you don't need to go out and market it, which yeah. speaking of, um, let's get into some of that, some of that nitty gritty then. So what, yeah. why are people, you know, organically referring you? What, what is it that you do differently, you know, than, than the typical seller or, you know, those Upwork contractors, you know, that, that we right, mentioned earlier. Right, right. So one of the things, I mean, there, there's a couple, there's a couple aspects to it. I think the first one is, I am not willing to work with just anybody. And I know it sounds stupid. Um, no, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I'm not out there. This is, it's not, you know, I still have this, this other job. So it's not my full-time job. So I can afford to be selective. Um, and 
you know, I want to make sure that the people that I'm working with that I like, that I get along with, that I see eye to eye with. And then it's also products that it's like, if I can't tell my mom about it, you know, granted, I'm not talking to my mom about what I'm doing, but if, if I can't tell my mom about it, I'm probably not going to, I'm probably not going to want to want to work with it. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's one of the things that it sounds, it sounds dumb and it's like, okay, what, what are the new people, you know, that, that we're talking to or maybe listening to this supposed to do about it? But it's like, I, I, what I would say about that is you want to work on, you want to have a product line, you want to have products on something that you're proud of um, and that you're really into yourself. Um, there's things that you can sell that might make you a quick buck, but if it's not something that's, that's like you have passion about, it's, it's going to get boring pretty fast and you're going to move on to something else that you make a quick buck on because that's constantly going to come up in your life. But anyways, that's, that's, you know, one part of it. I think the other, the other thing is that I, I get my hands dirty. I am in the search term report and I'm deep into the search term report. Um, there's something else called the campaign performance report, which I will get really, really deep into. Um, and just to figure out like what bids need to be. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. There's, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not great software solutions, but I'm not a software guy. It's like, you know, I tried using some software or some PPC management software early on. And I felt like I lost connection with what was really happening. Um, Cause like I said earlier, there's, you know, you might be able to set something up and, and put some parameters in and it works great for a week or two, but then something's going to change and you've got to make an adjustment. Something's going to change. and You've got to make another adjustment. And um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I always, that I learned in PPC was um, not only ideas for new keywords based off of what customer search terms were showing up through clicks, but also um, new product ideas. So if I'm selling, you know, one of the one of the earliest things that I ever sold on Amazon was uh, it's called an aux, an AUX, an aux cable, an auxiliary cable. So back when back when phones still had a uh, an you know an aux out port, right, and you used to go plug it into your car. Everyone who has a car needs one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or exactly. a home stereo system, yeah. Totally back in, back in the day, before Bluetooth was everywhere, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, well, I was selling you know black plastic coated stuff. It was pretty good quality, but you know, and suddenly I start seeing all these people searching for. Um, uh, I forget exactly what the term is, but that's like they're woven, you know, like it's not plastic for the outer coating. It's actually like woven yeah, like fabric, whatever, like a fabric. And when you say you suddenly see people searching for that, how do you see that? What, right. what, what is it that you're seeing? Right. So you, in the search term report, there's a column called, so there's, there's going to be a couple of things. So let's say you have a manual campaign running, right? There's going to be a column called keyword and the keyword is going to be, you know, let's pretend we're running, broad match. So the keyword's gonna be, let's say I have auxiliary cable, right? That's my keyword. Well, the customer search term, which is a different column, is what the Amazon customer actually typed in and was looking for when they clicked on your ad. Yes. So what I start to see then is in the customer search terms, I start to see, you know, woven auxiliary cable or cloth auxiliary cable or, um, you know, blue cloth auxiliary cable, you know, that kind of thing. So a broad match is going to get you, um, it's going to get you uh, cast a wider net um, than if I had just put an exact match in, I was showing up, all I would show up for is people searching exactly for auxiliary cable or also add in the, 
plurals of those, which that's exactly also triggered that. Um, right. So you start to see, you know, you start to discover new product ideas, for example. Um, you know, those types of things. So those, it's, I would say that's definitely one of the things that really set me apart was willingness to dig in. And so some of the guys, like I said, there were, there were early clients I had who, you know, I would train, who actually were going to hire me to show them how to do it so they could do it. And then went, I, I don't want to do this. It wasn't that they couldn't do it is that they said, you know what? I don't want to take the time to learn this. I'm running a business here and that there are things that I can outsource to other people and trust them to get it done because they're an expert and I only need to know the top line stuff. And that allows me to then focus more as the business owner on the things that either a interest me more or are more or b are more impactful to the business, such as, you know, figuring out new items and, you know, um, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So in that specific case, for instance, would you use that? So for, if that was a, a customer of yours, right. are you, or a client of yours, are you using that to deliver some kind of insight? Like, Hey, you might want to come out with a variation that has like, you know, the, the fabric covering cause a lot right. of people are searching this. So those specific things are, I'm going to say, Hey, this is starting to come up. Um, quite a bit in customer searches. So yeah, I, I would be send, I would be telling them like, Hey, in the report that I would write to say to them saying, Hey, this, this is what I did in this um, kind of uh, PPC review period. These are the changes I made. This is what I adjusted. Then I would also have a section in there that would say, Hey, by the way, um, kind of maybe either at the beginning or at the end with sort of some general comments I put here are the ones that are coming up a lot of this month. So, um, actually, here's another really good example. So in other words, I would, before I switch gears, let me finish that thought. So I would say, you may want to look in, you know, starting to see lots of searches for cloth or woven auxiliary cable. What I would also do, though, is I would go into that campaign, um, particularly that ad group, and I would negative, <laughs> I would negative those keywords because if somebody's looking for a woven or cloth auxiliary cable, I wasn't selling it, and I didn't want to show up for those keywords. Um, yeah, I didn't want to show up for those customer search terms anymore. So I want to make sure I negated it. But yeah, I would put that in. Um, here's, here's actually another really great example is, um, as I said earlier, my daughter's seven. She's turning eight um, in January. And she is super into making slime. So if anybody has kids there, uh, particularly with daughters, you probably have noticed it's starting to be a really, it has been a big thing for a while. But my daughter got into making slime, which is just like Elmer's glue, um, yeah. contact lens solution, and then oh. you can add a whole bunch of other stuff into it to make colors. And sounds <laughs> similar to making meth. <laughs> it's like a bunch of like <laughs> drugstore stuff that well, you just I mix think, together think, in your home lab. Yeah, a lot less profitable and a lot more legal. <laughs> yeah, and but hopefully a lot less toxic too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hopefully. Um. Anyway. Uh, and so she's super into making slime and I have a, a client that, uh, I'll just say, so I won't give away too much deals in plastics. So I started to see in his search term reports that people are actually starting, he wasn't selling anything close to this, but people are starting to search, um, for slime container. It's starting to show up in the search term report. And that was a year and a half ago, probably ish. And that's when I, that's when I knew that slime was going to be bigger than just a, 
than just a passing fat. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I mean, when my daughter is, is like, I, I thought it was going to be for her. She, her favorite thing to do all weekend long is watch YouTube videos and, uh, of kids doing weird things like making slime or opening LOL containers or whatever. And then just sitting there and making slime and experimenting and figuring out new colors and new things that she can put in it and, you know, whatever. Um, and it's been around now for a couple of years. I mean, you can even see, if you don't have kids, you probably might even notice in a, in a big store, like say Target or Walmart, like Elmer's Glue is, they have slime kits, you know, now that's oh, wow. actually create stuff like that. And um, if you go and search on Amazon now for slime containers, you will find people that are, that have discovered the same thing I discovered 18 months ago and they are specifically selling just plastic containers with lids to store your slime once you make it. That's really, yeah. And that's, that shows you how much of an impact having active PPC management or just smart PPC management can have over product choice, listing optimization, you know, product, um, uh, design and, and, you know, you're looking at it, somebody looking at it with a brain. Um, I'm not trying to be rude by saying that, but just saying, doing some real analysis rather than just going, that is uh, an inapplicable word for what I'm doing. I'm going to negative exact that or, you know, negative phrase, anything to do with slime and move on because that has nothing to do with what I'm selling, you know, and then because that would be a very valid thing to do, but it wouldn't be taking it to the next level, which is going, man, I'm seeing this a lot. This is a trend and I'm now going to apply this. And, you know, if, if, if my client had been selling, you know, that type of product, I, I would have been like, okay, you either need to pivot on how you're marketing this thing. You need to create another listing for this. It's all focused on slime, you know, a variation, that kind of thing. Um, or uh, you need to start getting that. My recommendation would be start to get into this in a big way, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So good examples there. Um, I did write down a couple other things that I, you know, I, I don't, know how much time we have left but i'll just i'll just i'll just kind of do a shout out into a couple of things um that i see i'll, I'll just call them rookie mistakes um that's exactly what we need yeah so, so many people like you said like i said you know or like we were saying before they just don't know what to do like the most yeah. basic thing that you mentioned earlier you know in, in this conversation was you know removing the bleeders by adding negative exact match keywords to their automatic campaigns and that's, that's, I think, you know, if you're doing nothing at all, to me, that seems like the most basic thing you can start to do. Yeah. But, you know, th- when you get to the level that you're at, I think there are much more sophisticated, I shouldn't say it's sophisticated, but just much more, uh, many more steps you can take, you know, if you're logical and rational yeah, about it. There's, there's definitely call it advanced topics, but everything doesn't have to be an advanced topic. And if you're a new seller and you've got, you know, one item out there, or just a couple items out there, um, there are some really basic things that you can do. And, and, and so actually, before I go into rookie mistakes, I might actually take a second to say, look, there are so many people out there. There's so many voices out there telling you, you know, on, on everything with Amazon, but let's just, let's just call it PPC in general, right? That the worst thing you can do is, is what I call combining religions, right? You listen a little bit to the Catholic guy, you listen a little bit to the Methodist guy, you listen to the Muslim guy, you listen to the Jewish guy, and now you created your own religion, right? Sounds like San Francisco. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm in San Francisco again. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because we live not too far and go into San Francisco sometimes. That's actually not too far from the truth. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, um, you know, but you you create your own PPZ methodology based on the parts that you liked or that you understood from a bunch of different people. And the one beautiful thing about PPC is that there's not really one right way that works, um, but there are best practices. But a lot, of, a lot of times there is a methodology that works. So if you start to combine one part from one mm. methodology and one part from another methodology, those methodologies might both work in themselves, but if you start combining little bits and pieces of them, that's when things all fall apart. Yeah. So rookie mistake would be, you know, number one would be combining the different methodologies that are out there, combining different PPC approaches. But if you're at the point where you're like, Tim, I don't even know what I should be doing with PPC, then my recommendation is, look, start with an auto campaign, start with a fairly conservative bid, call it 76 cents. I tend to not do even numbers. I'll tend to do one penny or two pennies above an even number. Um, I consider even though five is not an even number, but the zeros and the fives um, are something I avoid. So for example, on sort of 75 cents, I do 76. Um, do Man, I why is that? I don't understand. Oh, it's because if somebody else has bid 75 cents and all else being equal, I'm going to get the click at 76 cents rather than 75. Oh, that is true. Because 75, 70, these are human numbers, not robot numbers. It's a number that a human brain is more comfortable with. Yeah. Be and yeah. so people oh, generally like tend to think, and you know, how easy it is to count by tens and count by fives. And once you start getting off those patterns, it starts to become a lot harder. So I tend to do things um, 76, a dollar three, a dollar 26, a dollar 53, um, dollar 28, you know, those kinds of, those kinds of bids, even though if somebody said, Hey, what's your bid for this? I'd be like, oh, that's about about 25, you know, but I'm actually just trying to hedge a little bit in my favor, but to get back to what I was saying, just start an auto campaign, let it run for a couple of weeks, um, and do it at about 76 cents. Do um, you know, I've heard people say different things. I'll do a $20 a day budget. Um, depends on what your stomach is, is you know, can handle. Because um, an auto campaign is basically saying to Amazon, I trust you that you know what this is going to do. And, um, and um, you know, Amazon, because Amazon has the complete control over where they're showing your product at at this point. But run it for two weeks. Here's why I say two weeks. Amazon... In, in PPC, the impressions, the clicks, the spend, all of those kinds of metrics are all updated within a few hours of, of reality, of when they actually happen. The sales for PPC are not credited to PPC. They say up to 48 hours. I have seen, um, I don't even want to tell you, I've seen weeks later that things will get um, attributed. What? But That's ridiculous. I generally say, look, run it for 14 days. And the reason why it's 14 days is because I guarantee you're going to have 10, 11 really good days of data that are accurate. Um, so it's, you know, run it for 14 days, run your search term report, get used to doing that. It's really not hard to get into and figure out whether you use Excel or another version uh, like Sheets or something like that to get in and start formatting it start going, okay, where, what are these, get familiar with what are these columns? Where am I spending money? 
Um, where am I getting sales? All that kind of stuff. Once you've done that, now set up a manual campaign, take anything that you got a sale on um, and make it a keyword in a broad campaign. If you did 76 cents for your bid in the auto, then make the broad a dollar three bid um, and let that run for two weeks. And, and by this time, you're starting to get some good data that shows, um, you know, we're not, we're not going crazy here, but you're starting to get some good data that shows like, hey, these are the most important keywords. It either validates what you already thought was true um, or can identify a problem. From time to time, we'll have, have a client will set up an auto campaign and like nothing happens and we'll jack up the bid and you're like, okay, it's not a bid issue, what's going on? And then we'll realize that like Amazon, even though we had it, the item categorized in the correct category, Amazon doesn't have it actually in, in the correct category and you can't see that um, often until, you know, on, on any of the interfaces we have, you can't see that and you've got to call and open a case and then find out like there's something wrong here and they'll come back, oh yeah, it was categorized over here. So, and, and all the keywords that you thought were relevant um, aren't applicable in that category. I, I just opened the door to an advanced topic, but um, and I'll share what I mean really quickly. Amazon only allows certain keywords to be relevant in certain categories. And you mean, um, when you say category, it's this is like the official category, like the browse node that your, exactly. your product has. Yeah, yeah Ooh. exactly. Okay, so there'll be some keywords that Amazon won't allow to show in the sponsored product spot for yeah, that category. Yeah. So think about, well, I mean, it's, obviously- something I did not know. Yeah, I okay. didn't realize yeah. it. So imagine, you know, there's obvious things like, um, you know, you can't advertise adult or adult products, right? You can't advertise that. But imagine if you're selling a supplement that, you know, the supplement is, is okay to advertise, but it has a side effect that's, you know, if someone's searching for, you know, libido enhancer, um, there's words like libido, which in themselves aren't a bad word, not whatever, but it's, it refers to something in Amazon that they believe is, you know, uh, offensive or leads to something offensive. So nobody can advertise anything for libido regardless of what category there's. That's one category, right? Just call it forbidden words, right? Mm -hmm. But then there are things, um, other forbidden words actually are gonna be things like time date, right? Um, because they mm -hmm. don't want everybody and their brother right before prime day starting to advertise against prime day. That, that type of thing. Um, you can throw another customer's ASIN in there all you want. Um, and it won't work, uh, you know, those kinds of things. But then, then there's, w w there was a rash. The reason why Amazon did this category thing is there was a rash of people teaching. I totally lost track of all, all time from a year standpoint in the last couple, within the last couple of years of saying, Hey, um, you could try to be competitive in the correct category or even the correct subcategory or whatever for your address. Or you could stick it over here in this thing that really only has 1% relevance and you can dominate that. And so now, it's, now you're getting a bestseller tag. Um, I thought, you know, this thing, even though what you're selling isn't even really relevant, but people are still searching for those things and you're still showing up. So Amazon's yeah. way around that was to say, okay, um, this is going to be a really simple example and not even an accurate one, but just to try to help people um, understand it that you know let's say you're selling you know paint brushes but you decide to list your category and hairbrushes right 
because you're going to be number one in hairbrushes, even though you're selling a paintbrush so that when people search for paintbrushes, you're going to have this little thing that says, you know, top seller, Amazon's choice, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty drastic one. I've heard of, you know, I mean, I've, we've done a lot of this like browse node optimization for Judo launch customers. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's been the, to the same goal that you just mentioned, you know, getting to a, a category that you can dominate and hopefully get the best seller badge for, especially in foreign markets like the UK or Germany, right. where it's much right. easier to, um, but not to that extreme. It would be, you know, the difference between hairbrush and hair comb, you know, as the right. final browse note or, or something that like that. We wouldn't. That is going to yeah. be fine. Um, yeah. The difference between those is call it one step removed. It's no big deal. It's, it's, it's where there's kind of these more drastic, um, uh, the distance between the two things are pretty far. So they're not going to allow, you know, because a lot of people were doing it, they said, Hey, this set of words, of course, which nobody actually knows what they are, are the ones that are relevant for this area. And, and if you're trying to advertise them, you're trying to rank for them within this area, it's not going to work for you. And it was a way to keep people, um, actually, I'll say this a different way. It was a way to get people to list in the most accurate category that they could for that item. Um, it's not foolproof, but it was one of the things that they did. So it is possible to, you know, to, to have major problems and, and sometimes an auto campaign will identify that if somehow things got attributed um, you know, in, through the catalog team, for example, into the wrong, uh, the wrong area. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's kind of, to me, it's like, well, seller might not even know that, that they're not showing up for that if they're not paying close enough attention. So that's kind of a, right. you know, it's, it's not it's, really a direct feedback incentive, but, you know. Well, from, it's one of those things that, yeah, you, that PPC can help discover. You know, yeah. PPC's primary, primary job is, um, and maybe I probably should simply think about this now. I'm like, eh, I might have should I, maybe I should have mentioned this sooner. PPC's primary job is to help you gain keywords. People, a lot of people think it's, it's about generating sales and all that kind of stuff. The, the big, big companies that I used to work for, the Unilevers and the Nestle's of the world, look at ROI, um, and they, and, um, they'll look at it on a dollar spent standpoint. So in, in other words, if I spent a dollar, did I get a dollar back? Right. Well, what does that translate to an ACOS standpoint? That's a hundred percent ACOS. That's something that like we wouldn't even ever stand for. You know, if they get one and a half to one, they're, they're jumping up and down. Um, and, and they're analyzing this based off of, you know, Hey, we ran this coupon. Hey, we ran this TV spot. Hey, we, you know, did this promotion at the store. Those, those are the kinds of things they're analyzing. So, and, and what they're trying to do, the big companies, is they're trying to spend their money in a way so that there more people are trying their product, more people are selling their product, more people are starting to incorporate that product into their life so that they don't spend. They're not even looking to make money until you're, I would say, at least year two. Um, because that is something so valuable for, for like listener, the, the guy listening or gal listening right now to this in that, you know, s focusing on immediate term profit is kind of, I mean, is possible. I, I, not impossible, I would say, but not the way 
that larger businesses with a long-term view think of it. Exactly. I mean, that is, it's such a valuable insight that like thinking week to week or month to month keeps you from long-term growth. If you're, if you really step back and look at the whole picture on what matters in order for me to grow this into a significant empire, you know, for, for myself, for my family or, or whatever, um, that long-term view leads you to make different decisions. Like you just said, you know, the value that you're getting out of it is much more than the profit that you're getting. It's everything else is the insights about keywords. It's getting people inside your ecosystem to buy future products from you. It's, yeah, the upsells. If you're in consumables, it's just the continued subscriptions. You know, it's so much more than just that one sale. And and you're going to have, just just as the big consumer packaged good manufacturers have, you're going to have products in different phases. And you've got to think about your products as being in different phases as a new seller, right? I'm in launch phase. What's my goal here in launch phase? My goal in launch phase is to get as many clicks and as many sales against different keywords as I possibly can. Um, and I'll say different. Uh, you know, there's, there's relevancy issues here that I won't go into, but you know, call it different relevant keywords that you, that you possibly can. Um, you may not. You know, Some of the guys that I work with who are huge sellers, we don't even care about a cause in the first month. Well, well, it could be 500%. It could be a thousand percent. It's not the goal. The goal is the goal isn't to do to get profitable sales. We want the goal for these guys is to get as many clicks and as many sales against these keywords as they possibly can. So they start to develop what I will call relevancy for them. Mm. And then we'll go into call it, you know, there's launch and then there's growth, right? Growth is like, it's more like, hey, as long as I'm, as long as I'm not, you know, ACOS might be more like 60% here. You know, as long as I'm not losing too much money, I'm fine. You know, I'm trying to grow this. I'm trying to gain my keyword ranking. Um, I'm trying to go after, you know, these different things. Then long-term comes in and long-term could be, Hey, I just want to break even. So let's say if their gross margins, you know, 30 on this product. Hey, I just want to, I just want to have a 38 cost. I just want to make sure that every one I sell through PPC, um, I'm, I'm willing to, to break even on it. Or there's, there's folks that I have to say, Hey, now this one's my cash cow phase, right? A cash cow is one of, <laughs> one of the things back from my MBA days is, is, Hey, I have invested in this. This has been around for a while. It's got good product ranking. I can make good money off of this. And so I'm actually looking to make money on PPC. Um, so I don't want anything over a 28 or a 25 day cost. So, um, you know, really got to look at products through different phases um, rather than, you know, I think it's easy to panic as a new seller to go, I can't get a click unless I have you know, unless I bid so high and my A cause is 150%. Now that's not sustainable in the long term, but in the short term, this is, you're actually implementing a launch strategy, you know, which is, Hey, I'm trying to gain relevancy through clicks and sales against these different. Exactly. Yeah. What you just said is so important and so relevant to, to what we're doing inside judo too, right now in that it's when you mentioned goal, it's like based on what is your goal. And uh, that's the whole ethos by which we, that we, you know, centered the design 
of the PPC software that we've developed around is accomplishing a goal. And that, that like, like you said, ACOS is not a metric that Unilever thinks of. They're thinking <laughs> of you know, their return on ad spend. Right. And so, yeah, for us, we, we, we came at this problem with, uh, and for listeners that, that don't know, like the, the PPC software that we are now releasing is a goal-focused uh, PPC automation software. And, you know, unlike Tim's clients, this is something for, you know, sellers that j- can't afford that. They're not the, you know, eight-figure sellers, seven-figure. They may be seven-figure sellers. They may be eight-figure sellers, but mostly, you know, this is really uh, ideal and optimal for the sellers that, you know, they they can't afford to either spend all of their time doing these downloading and, and uh, researching themselves of, CSV files um, that you know they're not they don't have the five years of experience that that Tim does doing this, um, but can still select a goal and allow something to be managing it for them, and uh, that that's there's just no ability to do that for folks that can't afford you, Tim, and that's uh, that's the problem that we kind of set out to solve so that you know we could give access to some level of this kind of more sophisticated goal oriented um, automation of campaigns. So you could say, I want to launch this product. And then, you know, a sequence runs that puts you through, you know, like you were just saying that those stages, um, or I want to rank this product, or I want to liquidate this inventory. And uh, yeah, that's, I, the fact that when you mention goals, you know, that's my lit up because that's, that's exactly like what our ethos has been, you know, through this entire development process. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's awesome. And I think it's really valuable for new, new sellers, um, to be able to just go, like, you, you don't need to understand how, I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is trying to implement the how, um, you just need to know, okay, what do I want to do? And, um, allow, you know, you don't, you don't need to get into the learning how certain done it's it's let's save you a ton of time right yeah well uh tim i know i know that we're uh past the the end that i told you (laughs) that we (laughs) we would stop at here so and uh you know the the listeners out there are probably at the end of their commute to already at the office or a school or or wherever uh their grandson's house (laughs) um (laughs) But uh, yeah, thank thank you, dude, for coming on. It, it was awesome, like hearing your personal story too. I, I've already heard it once, but you kind of dug a little deeper this time, um, and it uh, really connected me all the way to the present. So, you know, personally, it was really cool to to hear that whole story. And the I really I was laughing because to myself, although I was muted uh, at the point where you were like, oh, like I all of my bosses are not, you put it more, more gracefully, but like all my bosses are stupid. Like every boss I've had is a moron basically. Uh, but I, the way, the reason I'm thinking that is because I'm born to be my own boss of myself. Yeah. And I think that's, it is like, a, it, it, it's something that you can't turn off. If you're, like you said, you have that in your DNA, you're like a born entrepreneur. I felt the same way, you know, that I had the confidence in my own intellect and in my own abilities and my own courage to like defend myself out there in the jungle, not have like a big corporate 
bubble around me, you know, fending off attacks and, you know, I'm a gear in that big machine. I was down to be the machine. And yeah. like, you know, if I got killed, get killed, but rely on my own instincts, my own wit, my own intelligence. And that's, you know, it's actually rare to have that combo of the willfulness, you know, the mental acuity and the grit, as they say, to like get through all of the inevitable fucking up, as you would say, um, <laughs> like that has to happen for you to, to get through that. Um, yeah, I, I just felt the same. So I was, I was laughing like, yeah, yeah. I had the exact same, yeah. exact same feeling. Awesome. Well, yeah. and hopefully if somebody listening or there are several people listening who are like, I just realized something about myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I always thought there was something wrong with me. I always thought I, you know, I was just, I was so jealous or that I should be in that spot or, you know, whatever. And, and honestly, what it turned out to be, it was like, well, in a way, but I'm not actually even, you know, supposed to be here. You know, honestly, the way the way that I've made, um, yeah, for me, it's your nature. Yeah, for me, I was a bit more established in in life, um, just being older, being married, and having kids, and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't, you know, I I have been able to find a way to scratch that itch, um, yet at the same time, you know, maintaining kind of the full time job gig on the side, or doing this on the side with the full time job. job I have a I have a feeling, Tim, that that's not going to last too long. <laughs> I, I have a feeling. I have a deep feeling oh, it's not going to last long. Yeah. Well, you know, you get used to your 401k and your medical and your nice salary um, that you're just adding to. <laughs> so, yeah. But at some point you're going to start viewing it as a distraction from what you really like and what you're really doing. I, I bet that is my prediction for next time you come on the podcast that uh, you'll either be closer to or have already executed a cutoff of uh but we'll see we'll see (laughs) but thank you man thank you for coming on appreciate the the time uh, out of the day over there enjoy the the rest of your thursday and uh yeah see you next time you come on so thanks so much for having all right guys i hope you like the story that tim told there i know it's the reason i wanted to have tim on is because it's a very non-standard story it's not the whole I quit my job story. His his story is way more complicated than that. He's a family man, uh, living the American dream, found out it wasn't for him. I really, really loved his story. So I hope you guys appreciated that. Hey, if you want to learn more about PPC, we have a PPC guide that can be found on uh, the Judo Launch blog on uh, judolaunch.com. So feel free to go there, navigate to the blog. You can download the PPC guide. And if you're just getting started, we have a, a beginner's guide there that can take you through the, uh, the initial steps you need to take. So thank you guys. Much appreciated. Love that you're listening to Seller Jams. Email hello at tutorlaunch.com if you have any questions. Um, happy to answer them for you. Also, uh, you should stay tuned for the next episode with my good buddy, Danny McMillan who's going to talk about how he gets products onto page one using PPC alone. Oh yeah, you heard me right. It's possible. Tune in next week to find out how. Much love, guys. Peace out.